Hi guys, Jason here. I want to tell you about Wink.com. W-I-N-C. It's a great way to discover new wine if you don't know a bunch about wine. Basically, all you do is go to their website, fill out a survey based on your flavors, what you're into, what you're not into, and they ship personalized selections right to your door. They start at just $13 a bottle. You get to come home to a box that's been customized just for you, and then you can start chugging ASAP. There's no membership fees. You can cancel any time if you want to skip a month because you're out of town or because you don't have money. No problem. Shipping is covered. If you don't like the bottle, they'll replace it with one you love today. Even if you use wink.com slash the stew, you get $20 off your first shipment. Try wink.com, T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com slash the stew. And you get, to, uh, you get to support us over here at the pod and we can keep delivering you great episodes to your door every week. Enjoy the show. I said what you know about it. Hello, hello. You're listening to The Stew. I'm Jason Stewart. Andre Canaparo, say hello. Hello. We have, uh, we have one guest today, Nate. How do, how do you pronounce your last name? Is it just Rue? Just Rue. Are you? Are you? Two letters. Very food specific. <laughs> I like it. Very food specific. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, like the Rue. Like oh, a Rue. Like R-O-U-X. Yes. Why I did not put that together at all. You got coffee. I know. I have my coffee, but still. <laughs> Uh, do you do you prefer Nate or do you like Nathaniel? Nathaniel's what my parents call me. Mm-hmm. Uh. I got Nate was a name that was coined in college. My roommate in college called me Nate Dog, and so okay. it stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't Nathan- sound like something guys would yeah. do in college. Yeah. Nathaniel's your okay. slave name. <laughs> Nate's for friends. I get it. Okay. Please, my father's name is Nathaniel. Exactly. Call me Nate. Yep. But a lot of people call me Rue as well. Just Rue. I would go with Rue. Rue's tight. So we can we can start there. Rue's good. People uh, might think you're Australian before you go in. <laughs> you you kind of look like you could be Australian as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. What is it? What Handsome is your long locks? What's your, maybe back, a surfer what's your background, Rue? Got some tan. Yeah, grew up. Actually, grew up in LA. So half Mexican, half Chinese. Oh wow! Product mm. of Southern California. Damn! If sure. you were a girl, you'd be hot. That's a good combo <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> Tell my parents that if you if you were a girl, you would pop up on my explore page for sure. <laughs> it's true. So so born born and raised in, yeah, in L.A. outside Pasadena, outside Pasadena. What what city? Yeah, San Marino. Okay, cool. okay. Yeah. He grew up in Huntington. I grew up in Huntington. Cool. He's NorCal. Yeah, I grew up in Santa Cruz. Nice. Mm. So you went to college in D.C. D.C. Yeah. Georgetown. Georgetown. And you met the other two guys yeah. at college. I met and formed the restaurant that we all know called Sweet Green. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I grew up in LA, um, moved to DC, didn't know anybody, went to college, and I met. I've still never been to DC. It's a cool place. Yeah. Yeah. Very walkable. Okay. <laughs> we need walkable. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But I met. Uh, John, who's my business partner in accounting class freshman year, sat behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was wearing a Lakers t-shirt, so we kind of bonded from being both from L.A. Mm-hmm. And then I met my other business partner 
through John uh, because they lived on the same floor freshman year, and they would, they're like food buddies, so they would go out to restaurants and hang out. When were you a food person when you were a freshman at Georgetown, or did you need a little work? <laughs> Definitely needed a little work. I mean, I grew right, up... I can cross that question. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with a lot of great Chinese food. From my, my grandma used to make the most amazing Chinese food. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, what, what are we talking? Like, kind of almost like Din Tai Fung style dumplings, uh, cold noodles, lots of yeah. scallion pancakes, stuff like that. Yeah. Could you imagine just growing up with just some Din Tai Fung yeah. style food in the crib? It was a treat for sure. So awesome. Taiwanish, a little yeah, bit. Taiwan. Like. So my my dad always jokes he's made in Taiwan. Yeah. Um, classic classic Roo stuff yeah, right there. Very Roo stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my dad actually group. has longer hair than I do. So. Oh really? Yeah. Sixty four, going on like thirty. Let's it fly. He does. I like yeah. that. Does he have a classic car? Uh, he doesn't. Oh. But he should. We'll get him on yeah. it. Yeah. Is he like a longboard surfer of some kind? He is a longboard surfer <laughs> of some cool. kind. Yeah. Um, no, no stranger to an acai bowl? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's getting healthier. He's okay. definitely like in, in the health and wellness space now. Okay, good. It's trending. Even, even, yeah. It's even hit him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they were both the foodie people of the bunch. Yeah, so Nick, uh, Nick my business partner, his parents um, owned kind of like higher-end French restaurants in New York. Um, mm-hmm called Le Caravelle. It was mm-hmm. one restaurant. And so he was famous for um, bringing, <laughs> bringing like these kind of like the leftover ducks from parents' restaurants to like the college dorm kitch- kitchenette. And so he, he got this reputation for being like a great foodie in, in kind of like a shitty college cafeteria environment. Mm. Won a low bar. Also <laughs> easy lifting <laughs> exactly. for the guy just bringing in ducks from a French restaurant being like, yeah, I made this. Exactly. Ah, so, the, wanna... so the duck a l'orange ships <laughs> straight in from Manhattan. Yeah. And they're like, who is this guy? Um, and yeah, so we met, we kind of became friends, and uh, we, we started with the idea of Sweetgreen actually senior. So, um, so for a class, for a business it, class, or was it just kind of came class, together? It kind of came together. The, the healthiest things at the time were Subway and Chipotle. Yeah. And it's like the healthiest options. And right. we just knew that we could find something that was a little bit better. And yeah. to your point, like the bar, the bar is set pretty low. So yeah. how do we create something that was affordable, that was delicious, but also healthy? Mm-hmm. And uh, wrote a business plan senior year and, and uh, opened it actually two months after we graduated the first store. What, was that? what year was that? 2007. 2007. So that's an early liar outlier to farm to table healthy eating. Yeah. I mean, there's it not, was, I mean, that we take for granted that space. Damn, that's exists. over 10 years ago, huh? Yeah. Sweet Green's 10 and a half years ago. <clears throat> Cause I think we think of food now and restaurant sourcing specifically if you're talking about urban areas or LA or New York, yep. it's just taken for granted. It's going to be farm to table. So yeah, it's coming from places. And 2007, that was not the standard. Totally. Yeah. That's great. Damn. So first sweet green in DC. We should well, we should describe sweet green if anybody's listening where there isn't one. Yeah, I guess there's been. a lot of people because it is very specific and world. it's very cool. Yeah, I mean it's you just you combine Chipotle and Subway <laughs> into a restaurant and that's what you got. Sweet green. If only we had a co-founder here to describe it for <laughs> us. But let's keep going, Jason. No, I, I want I'll, I'll describe it. Don't God worry. Damn it. 
It's a very sexy restaurant <laughs> that has salad. There you go. And uh, all of the ingredients are ideally sourced locally. Yep. Not just from a central location like the Chipotle's and the Subways of the Doing world. Great. Supporting farms in the area. Uh, notorious for having a long mm. line. Uh, always busy. Yep. And no cash. Yep. Card only or cashew. <laughs> I've been adopting the cashew system lately right. into my life, and That's I really right. like it. And uh, and you you can either make a salad off of their menu of curated creations, or make your own custom salad. It's very good. And then people have their own individual tips and tricks that they like to do. You can have however much dressing you want or not. Yep. You can toss. They can toss it for you, or you can toss it yourself. Bread lines, but it's quick and it's fast casual, and mm-hmm. you also embrace technology. Correct. You've got a really well functioning mm-hmm. problem list app that seems to work every time it gets used. And you got forty locations. We have eighty six. Eighty six. Yeah. So what I was reading was Older, old copy, probably. So you got eighty six. Eighty six now. Eighty six. Yeah. But you have oh, a Jesus. mission to make each one individual that goes completely against the grain of large-scale operations, where wherever they're based, yeah. your architecture is specific to the area. You're yeah. not trying to look like a Pinkberry. It actually is trying mm-hmm. to somewhat, as much as you can, I would imagine, improve the area as opposed to kind of impose your own idea of what a store looks like in a neighborhood that it's never been in. You guys are great. All right. You guys are awesome. All right, I'll take that. All right. I'll take yeah, that. That was very well done. Like, yeah, it- which is you know, which is I want to know the journey of that because that also seems like an impossible mission to accomplish with the scale that you're doing. Hard. So I don't know how you do it. So <laughs> well, let me know because there's know pros and cons yeah. because a lot of parts of like the a reason why like McDonald's is so popular for one for one example is. It's like a, a comforting oasis in a faraway land where you're like, I'm, I'm stranded in, you know, in a Turkish prison and I just got out and here's a McDonald's here and at least I know then I, you feel a sense of home and nostalgia and comfort. But for Sweetgreen, you, you know when you're in a Sweetgreen, but each one does have different elements that separate it. Yeah, our, our mission at Sweetgreen is, is to connect more people to real food and... And we try to design every sweet green for that community. I mean, there is a standard kit of parts from kitchen equipment to refrigeration, the things that we just have to have. But mm-hmm. from the way we look at furniture to art to the way we design the outdoor spaces and the seating, we really try to think about and be students of the community that we're in. Um, but we also use that same of pr- approach to food. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about fast food, it's, it's kind of the same everywhere yeah and it's supposed to taste the same everywhere Mm -hmm. and at sweet green we want to kind of demystify the fact that you can have fast food that may taste different in different places right like the guacamole greens in la probably taste or should taste different (laughs) than the guacamole greens in boston so Uh, taking the idea of consistency and instead having it be focused on taste having it be on quality quality and flavor yeah so they're gonna it's gonna taste worse in boston and better in la (laughs) is what you're saying according to some people (laughs) (laughs) what what is there anything that tastes better on the east coast than yeah we we have a lot of great we have a lot of great farmers on the east coast um specifically in boston we we have uh, a farmer a farm called wardsberry farm where we got a lot of our strawberries peaches and and uh a lot this year we're we're doing 
some work on tomatoes there, which mm-hmm. is cool. And I think the interesting thing about farming for us is sweetgreat, the way our supply chain works is that it's eight different decentralized supply chains around the country. Right. So we have uh, almost like, call it a supply network instead of a supply chain. Yeah. Uh, so it allows us to be a little bit more flexible in terms of who we get to partner with. And it's cool because we've, we've been able to work with certain farmers, even like our goat cheese farmer in D.C. that we've worked for for the last, I would say, six, seven years. And as we've grown our business, their business has also grown together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of examples like that where it's not just, you know, you open up the book, you order some food. It's how do we really create relationships with the people in our community. Yeah, I mean, if, I guess if you're just a guy who makes goat cheese... And then one day, Sweet Green's like, hey, we need to buy some goat cheese from you. And you're like, great. And then 10 years later, like, hey, we need like 4,000 tons of goat cheese every month. And they're like, amazing. Like, yeah. you, you've created nice, cushy lifestyles yeah. for a lot of uh, providers out there who may have been, you know, floating along. And they've also helped us out. Like, there's a lot of farmers that we've met, even when we had two restaurants or three restaurants at the... DuPont Circle Farmers Market in D.C. who kind of took a chance on us as like college kids and who had an idea. And we really learned so much from that that first farmer's market. Our second restaurant actually uh, backs up into that farmer's market. So it kind of became the blueprint for Sweetgreen today, like how we think about using and connecting to local farmers. And, and again, what's important for us is just making sure that we have that relationship with them so that we can... Ha- like pretty much like keep the intimacy as we grow. Well, yeah, it's incredibly symbiotic. If you are starting out without having opened a store yet with a mission to source the best ingredients, you're going to be finding people that share the same aesthetics and same moral value system as far as food. And if and that's naturally going to start smaller because that's a harder business model to scale big, right? Yeah. As far as a farmer goes. Exactly. Um, but if you give them consistent increased ability for sale... Then they and they can hold on to those same aesthetics. Yeah, um, you grow together. Totally. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you were you were mentioning strawberries and peaches and all those things. Yep. You guys don't have any any desserts or or we're working on that or treats in in sweet green and that's one thing I noticed a while ago. Yeah, I had milk cookies at an opening. That was good. One. Uh, that was a special event, Andre. We're actually, I don't know if this is confidential, but we're at, oh, <laughs> so my PR team will kill me, I guess. Um, but we're going to do uh, strawberries uh, in, in the next season as kind of like an, an add-on attachment, and they're going to be all local in all the communities that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, so right as... Like you can just add strawberries to your salad. Exactly. And so we're going to do um, a really cool kind of merchandise spot at the, like right at at the point of order and then really do some cool storytelling around that. So that's kind of our gateway into dessert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gateway into dessert is yeah. putting strawberries on the salad. I mean, I guess things have yeah. to roll out slowly for a large, yeah. large, large moving part like sweet green. But, uh, is there a reason why you guys have not had any dessert? I mean, I, been- or any other products like you guys don't have little, Grab and go things. Yeah. There's no bottled water. There's no chips or candies or granola bars or RX bars or yeah. any of those things. We uh, our kind of philosophy is how how do we create and sell products that are within the food ethos of what we try to do. And um, even when it comes to our like beverages, 
Like most people at the end of the day, they want to drink water with their salad. Mm -hmm. So uh, our beverage mix is kind of just more like focused on health and water-based beverages versus unhealthy soda. Mm -hmm. And in the industry, which is crazy, is that most fast food restaurants, like 10% of their business is soda. Yeah. And the margin on soda is like 80%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if not higher, right? If not <laughs> I mean, it's higher. It's the highest margin product out of McDonald's. I'm saying Coca Cola. You know, there's, but there's plenty of healthy beverages exactly. out there. You know, you yeah, can, like Coke Zero. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. That. I'm a Coke Zero <laughs> fan over here. You can throw Coke Zero in there. You know, um, the, there's all the kombuchas and the matchas yeah. and the cold bruises yeah. and the cold pressed thingies that fit We're into the world. We're not opposed to it for sure. I think we, <clears throat> our, our mission, we try to make everything in house from scratch. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why we believe how we're going to hopefully scale Sweet Green is to really like, all of all of our products are kind of brought in that morning, delivered that morning, made from scratch, cooked, mm-hmm. cleaned, washed, and then put on the line. And it's kind of how we want to think about some of these other kind of all, options. Uh, we're open to other things if they're in line with their food, our food ethos, but we want to kind of do everything in house. It's great. And 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 you guys all, presidents and CEOs of the company, higher ups, you you like to have them kind of work in the restaurants as well and be on hand to yeah. to have more of a working knowledge of how everything is going. Yes. Yeah, so we. Uh, <clears throat> what what job? What what's your favorite job to do when you have to? My favorite job. Yeah, I have two favorite jobs. One is picking herbs, bathroom duty. Yeah. yeah. Cleaning that. Cleaning that <laughs> toilet, baby. <laughs> Valet, maybe. One is, we call it cold prep. So kind of you're the person handling and uh, inventorying and cleaning all of the vegetables, Mm -hmm. which sounds like a tedious process, and it is. But you have a pretty strong connection of what's going on the line, which is really cool. And then the other piece that's really fun is just manning the register. Like There's Mm. so many guests that come through this store every day, and and connecting fitness bunnies you can say it <laughs> there's so many attractive men and women that come in every day yeah uh, but i yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah okay yeah I, I feel like because I, I whenever i go to sweet green you know everyone kind of has their job yeah and then you're, you're kind of like how come this person is working the cashier always and then that guy in the back he's met he's weighing out lemon juice yeah. in the corner by himself does he like that more? Is the person on the cashier doing that job because they're more personable and outgoing? Uh, these are the things I think about while I'm sweet greening. Yeah, everybody, so the way we kind of run it is there's, a, there's always a kitchen lead, so somebody who's responsible for everything that happens in the kitchen, so quality of product, cut sizes, temperature, um, just taste. Uh, and then we have kind of like a front of house lead that's responsible for customer service, kind of working in the lobby, table touches and things like that. Mm. And those two kind of work together as a shift and create the hopeful harmony that you see Love in the, table the store. Touch. Yeah. Um, and, and you, so, so you being one of the three members, founding members, I assume everyone sort of has been delegated a, a job or an area to cover. Yeah. What, and if you're not the, one of the food guys out of the two, what, what are you handling then? Yeah, it's a great question. Or have you turned into a food guy? I feel are like you, I've you, had like you design and architecture three hundred jobs at Sweetgreen, uh, but my responsibility is more mostly brand and marketing and kind of the creative side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
The interesting thing about having three founders, and we've been doing it for 11 years, so it's like beyond a marriage at this point, mm-hmm. is that we pretty much are, we kind of overlap, and cro- but are cross-trained in kind of all parts of the business. So mm-hmm. I'm responsible for brand and marketing. There's John who's responsible for, he's the CEO, so he's strategy and kind of managing investments and finance and an overall kind of vision. And Nick, uh, who I mentioned before, who's, whose world is all about food and product and sourcing um, and the operations side. So it works, and it's, it's crazy. It's like we, a fun little marriage. We still sit in the trinity. same office. Uh, we still... Um, I mean, there's a pinball machine now, but yeah, same office. Yeah, we, all of your girlfriends get along. Yeah, now wives, which is crazy. All of your wives yeah. get along. Oh, okay. So mm. it's, uh, it works, and... Um, out of the three people, who who has to do the most podcast appearances? Podcasts are kind of a new thing for us. Oh, really? Yeah. So <clears throat> I guess we're we're all pretty. I mean, yeah. I guess you guys have to do some. I mean, normally you guys are maybe doing like panel discussions at Lots business panels, insider yeah. events and things like that, and maybe like like morning news appearances, yeah. or things like that. A lot of food panels. Um, I think we. We're we're kind of interested in how like f- food can real food can scale so things around that um, and you know what what kind of starts off if I have a crazy idea it almost acts like having three founders acts as like a triple filter for it going through me and then going through John and then going through Nick and hopefully it's a better crazy idea that when it comes yeah. out. Mm-hmm. so that makes perfect sense it's so, either shot down or it's better than it was when yeah, it started yeah. Hopefully those guys don't shoot it down. <laughs> and you just mentioned, like, as far as sourcing goes, what what have been the pitfalls? And I don't want to say mistakes, but I'm, some of the complications that you've had growing quickly and in that size. Because to me, without having done it in the, and been in the business, you can't squeeze water from a rock. So if you have a small supplier that you love that yeah. can't scale with you, there's only you. so much zatar in the world, is what Andre is saying. <laughs> I mean, what, it, what, how have you adjusted to that? I mean, I, I'm assuming the answer is however we could, but mm-hmm. is there something larger that you've taken away from doing that? Yeah, it's a good, good question. It, it kind of it changes as we grow, yeah. and I think what's what we've realized is what the most important thing is what we call farmer tenure. So how how long we can work with a farmer versus working with them for a season to buy one thing and then right. never talking to them again. Sure, because you um, hate them. Yeah, Love to ghost a farmer. Yeah, yeah don't ghost a farmer. <laughs> there be a shirt. Um, <laughs> New location, who dis? <laughs> yeah. Um, so farmer tenure is important. And then it's, what's important is, is having these de- decentralized supply chains. So we have a lot of national contracts for certain ingredients that we just there's things that you just can't get local, mm-hmm. um, like avocados, for example. Mm-hmm. Same problem with Coke. Yeah, <laughs> can't get that. <laughs> yeah, um, the avocados, <laughs> I mean, they're not available in a lot of regions in yeah. America. I mean, but also, even in L.A., it's hard enough just getting enough avocados for the day that are ripe and edible. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, and, and, uh, and quality and, and perishable food is not easy. It's definitely not easy at that scale. Insane. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, trying to truck your involving refrigeration depending oh and temperature. Waste and, yeah. and all of yeah. that. So I would, I would say it's those two things. It's really trying to find farmers that 
can think a little bit more long term with us mm-hmm. uh, and want to join us on the journey. It's right. a two way street, mm-hmm. and then also thinking about how we can leverage the decentralization to our favor, to our advantage, versus having like one supplier that distributes all of it. Yeah, I imagine it was probably harder when you were on the on the rise yeah. at first, and now you guys can sort of have a mafia-esque stronghold on the produce. Yeah. Produce, I mean, like, hey, if you don't want to, if you don't want to give us these blueberries, that's fine. You know, that's fine. We'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens if they don't show up. I, I hope not. Have you? So, I've only been to the ones in L.A. Yep. Does the menu change from different location to location? It does. So uh, five times a year, uh, we, so we have five seasons. We mm-hmm. actually have two summers mm-hmm. uh, to, to celebrate everything that's coming out of the ground in those seasons. Uh, so we change our menu five times a year, um, and it's different by region. Yeah. So, for example, in a lot of times in the mid-Atlantic, in the summer, we'll do like a blue, American true blue uh, crab salad which is only found Holy there. Holy shit, that sounds which incredible. Is that is very cool. That. Um in, in California there's a ton of produce so yeah. we're always kind of um and that's the op- market for California too. <laughs> yeah, it's that's, opportunistic. Yeah. Right. Um, and that so has it been well, I guess trial and error and it's also whatever works again, but I, I think about the scale and the and kind of the consistent quality of your business and it's kind of mind breaking to me how you've made it work so far. But some of your standard dishes have underperformed in different locations that surprised you or in regions? Because I look at sweet greens, and granted, I've, I was born in California and have lived in L.A. for 20 years and Northern California before that. So it just seems like sweet greens is an L.A. restaurant, yet you guys conceptualize this on the East Coast, yep. but granted, born here. So I, I'm just so curious as to how this model, which seems very... Californian has worked out across yeah, to the country. Me, to me, Sweet Green feels more New York City than LA, I guess. Yeah, your friends in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> the, the 20 that you, that you call friends in New York City definitely are Sweet Green well, heavy, but think about Manhattan and the outer boroughs as a whole. Mm-hmm. Is, I mean, Ray's original, baby. <laughs> green papaya. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, in, in LA, there's, there's, we've been eating evening like this for a long time and then in new york sweet green shows up and people have been eating the lunch salads from every you know every other door in in manhattan is a place that has a salad bar but it's like the the weird beets and hard-boiled eggs that have been sitting there all day and you build your quote-unquote healthy salad and then when sweet green appeared in new york is i feel like is when it really had a a big upswing here yeah. in la people love it and people go there all the time but i think we were kind of like, you know, we've been, we've been eating this fucking quinoa for a while now. <laughs> well, I was talking about how things, how different menus have sold differently in different areas in the country. Mm-hmm. And can we get the Has, crab here? Is yeah, that too. <laughs> has that been the case or no? Uh, in terms of, yeah, perfor- it, performance of dishes. Of, has it been adopted universally as it's, it's been It's different gone in out, different or? cities. I mean, there are definitely like the, the home runs mm-hmm. that, um, that we have that people love, like our... We have something on the East Coast called the Harvest Bowl, mm-hmm. and then on the West Coast it's called the Hollywood Bowl, and it's Makes slightly different. The one here has jicama, the one there has sweet potatoes, um, one has uh, apples, one has grapes. But uh, yeah, what you like jicama? Yeah, I like jicama. <laughs> I like jicama. I do. 
I don't like jicama. It's okay. I like it a lot. <laughs> you, can, you can sub that one out. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Our Hollywood Bowl, no jicama. The, uh, the sweet green app makes it very easy to sub yeah, out ingredients. That's right. And that's actually a good segue. That through the app, we're actually able to learn a lot about like a customer behavior and what is selling and what's not. Yeah. And and it's provided us with a pretty cool feedback loop of what we should be focusing on. Um, so we actually just released a, a new menu uh, a few months ago for S2, which is our kind of spring season. And we did a lot of research with focus groups, uh, looking at data from the app, and in our test kitchen here in Culver City. And, and what we found is a lot of people were asking for heartier vegetable proteins. Hmm. Uh, and so we You're talking did, about like seitan or TVP or really. tofu? They were, we actually added lentils to the menu as like a base. Um, so so, you're, so very, you're, what you're saying is whole grains. Yeah, whole grains. And then also like... Not fake meat. Not fake meat. Yeah. But like roasted vegetables, mm-hmm. more, more skews like that. And so um, being able to respond kind of in real time, which is really cool, by season... And so five times our year, a year uh, our menu changes, and we, we think about that in two ways. One is how can we celebrate the seasons and what's, in, what's coming out of the ground? And then two, how do we use those two to three salads or bowls as like a test, an experiment for the future menu and see mm-hmm. how people respond to it? It's almost like the McRib effect. It's only there for the right. season, a yeah. limited mm-hmm. amount of time. And it might come back. And it may come back or it may not. What's uh, what's been the most successful salad collab that you guys have done? Probably the most recent one is with Nancy Silverton. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You were there at that that dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nancy has been a mentor of ours for a long time, uh, and she's like fa- like family friend. Kind yeah, of thing? like through Nick. Um, oh, okay, oh, wow. she was like, like one an of actual the, mentor, mentor. Yeah, like okay. one of the first phone calls we made when we came to LA in 2015, just to like introduce ourselves and, and get her advice. Um, she's like, how'd you get this number? Yeah, she's like, who yeah. are you? <laughs> yeah. no. You left a long voicemail is what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> but she's been super great. And, uh, and we've done the, a lot of these. What's important for us is how do we create intimacy at scale? And one big pillar of that is through culinary credibility and through how mm-hmm. we work with different chefs and how do we bring that, connect that foodie culture to, right. to fast food, I guess. And you're not using. You're not asking Nancy Silverton to fly out to Detroit. You're highlighting here in LA where she's from, or where exactly. she's she's at least mm-hmm. exactly. uh, grown her her notoriety in, mm-hmm. in her restaurants. And the way these so kind you're of, using local chefs. Yeah, the way the chef collaborations actually started was we we were having a conversation with David Chang like five years ago, and he had Momofuku in New York, and he was expanding and. He wanted to do a hose-on dressing, which is like a miso paste mm-hmm. dressing, and sure, we'll like we're, you know we test it out in one store, and, and then we tested it out in New York, and and we found out that people really wanted uh, and really loved that idea of bringing kind of chef almost as like creative directors for yeah, a season into sure. into the mix. So since then, we've done over ten collaborations, which has been cool from. Danny Bowen in New York, mm-hmm. uh, to Jessica here at Squirrel. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Barber. Dan Barber, which has been amazing. The most incredible poll to me because yeah. that guy doesn't lend his name to anything yeah. that he doesn't That's completely true. get behind. And that was the one with for like, like the wasted. The wasted the, salad, his, yeah. Uh, yeah, what's the, yeah. The waste thing is like him wanting to repurpose 
ingredients yeah. or food produce that would be considered ugly or is that carrot top stuff like that? Yeah, so we celery so and celery leaves, things like that. Exactly. We ha- he has this platform called Wasted. Um, <clears throat> nice and yeah, nice. sick. Me too. <laughs> and uh, we collaborated on a Wasted salad, which had like cabbage cores and carrot mm-hmm. shavings and mm-hmm. uh, kale stems and and what was great is when we high fiber. Yeah, high fiber. You know, and it was delicious. Solid nutrient. It was really good. And when we uh, when we launched it in New York, it actually became the most popular salad on the menu for three months. It makes sense to me. So it was cool. It's and that's was it cheaper? It was yeah, it was cheaper. Okay, yeah, it was cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but ha- back to Nancy. So Nancy's been. Uh, we created a Nancy's chopped salad um, that has kind of like. Her, the ingredients that uh, she uses to make her chopped salad with a slight remix, we put in uh, pickled celery, which has been awesome. Mm-hmm. And we actually did this one nationally. It was the first collaboration we took national. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we did it in LA and then all of our markets. And it's been one of like the top five best selling salads on the menu so far. Yeah. And also pretty low cal. Yeah, low cal. what's going, you know. Yeah, there's there's heavy ingredients in there salami in good ways, and like and say, salami and parmesan, but it still hits low on the calorie factor. Yeah, which is wild. Yeah, you guys, you guys somehow managed to make these salads very low cal <laughs> to the point where people may or may not believe what's going on in there because you get this big giant salad. You know, it takes it takes me forever to eat a salad from Sweet Green. Yeah, why do you guys lie about the calorie? Shit, that's four hundred twenty <laughs> calories in it. I mean, we get these things tested pretty, I mean, pretty I'm not, frequently. Obviously, yeah. you guys we're are not, not accusing you of anything. <laughs> but uh, I, I think putting putting the calories on there yeah. very transparently is a thing that a lot of restaurants are doing nowadays. Yeah. Usually, you're required to in size, though, at this point by California law. Probably, I think right? so. Yeah. We've done it for uh, like six years now, so yeah. I don't really remember. There's, yeah, but you, whenever whenever you see it, it's kind of like the things that you really want to order. When you see the calorie count on them, I get upset. Like I'm like, oh Jesus! Like I'm, don't show it to me. Like I, I I want to order this. You're talking about other places. At other places, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. You, you're like I I want to get the the double double and French fries and a, and a soda because I'm here. I've already made the commitment, and I don't want to know that I'm about to eat 1,300 calories in one meal. Yeah, Jason's the one in and out with a blindfold holding his girlfriend's hand when he orders. <laughs> if you guys ever want to see him in person, but it's at Sweet Green. You know, four or five hundred calories, and it's full of all this great stuff. Are, are, are people um, are people feeling satiated with that? Or do you ever get complaints that you're it's it's not filling them up enough? I uh, I think we get kind of comments both, because, both ways. Like, you, like, yeah, I'm sure it's you a lot do. of food. It's not enough food. Um, for, for I always because people were asking me like you know like why can't I get full off of a sweet green salad and I'm kind of like you know you're eating a salad first of all but I even though it's big I, it's a fucking salad what man. we wanted to do is especially in 2007 when we told people about this idea they thought we were crazy right even my dad goes when I told him the idea he goes okay Nathan <laughs> that salad dressing better be damn good and <laughs> that fair. that was his sign <laughs> of approval fair. as a father sure and but in 2007 everybody thought salad was like an appetizer Mm-hmm. Or had to be like a side dish or something that was a starter, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we kind of wanted to just tell people that you could eat it as a full meal. 
and and still fill you up and still be delicious. And at the time, and ten years ago, crazy, it's like like healthy and delicious were also almost like mutually exclusive. Absolutely, you know, and yeah. you would eat healthy to diet or to like lose weight versus be part of your lifestyle. And fast forward ten years now, it, everything is kind of the same. But there's also, I mean. Your comment about people being like, why can't I get full off of this or whatever it is? I mean, it, it's such a larger conversation in that there's no silver bullet for nutrition, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. And so people's daily calorie content depends on how much they're intaking anyways, right? Mm-hmm. So that it varies from person to person, metabolism to metabolism, size to size. But also, if I'm digging a ditch, I'm not going to have a salad for lunch. <laughs> I'm going to go out and get something really heavy, something, or I'm going to eat three salads. But the point being is like, what you're doing with your day depends on what kind of fuel you're putting in your body. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to sit at a desk all day, a salad's going to be enough for you to work and also work well and not be tired and slowed down. Mm-hmm. But you, know, it, it, you incorporate it into your life where it's like, it seems like Sweetgreen is not saying we're the only place you ever need to eat. What we are offering you is something incredibly healthy to incorporate often. But, you know, the statement of like McDonald's trying to be like, we serve food and this is what you eat and you should have this is that kind of misnomer that there's one answer and one specific thing you need to eat every day for what you do. Mm -hmm. And it changes. And it's like one day a salad will absolutely fill you up and another day it won't. And Mm -hmm. you can supplement and do differently. But it's insane for people to complain about things that aren't meant for whatever they're doing. It's like saying, like, why isn't this hammer a screwdriver? It's like, because you're fucking, uh, you're unscrewing a screw. You. You're like, come on, like, what, what do you I want? I like it when I eat a salad and then a few hours later I'm hungry. Same. That means my body is using it and it wants more. And then I'm like, great, now I get to eat a Cliff Bar before I have dinner. That's, that's a victory for me. But I would imagine, you, you know... Having run your business, you hear some of these things and you have to politely kind of nod and listen, but it's also like that you're not supposed to do that. You know, like that's not what we're trying to achieve is to, you know, fill you up before you start tying railroad tracks. Like, you know, like <laughs> this is a little different. Yeah, our, our, the kind of the brand position is it's how do you find balance and, and yeah. you can you can have you know, you can eat sweet green, it's great, but then you can go still go have a drink afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, you can like go to. I saw a, a guy drink at Sweet Green a couple. Yeah, weeks ago. same thing. <laughs> same team. You know, <laughs> uh, like you can still go to yoga, but like go to a rock show afterwards. Like you can still do things together, mm-hmm. and and that's how we think about food. It's like it doesn't have to be a sacrifice. Yeah. Mm. Have you? And you. So you'll articulate this better than me because I'm paraphrasing for some, from some things I saw. But it seems like you give a lot of agency over your local managers or whatever, however you describe them or whatever mm-hmm. their titles might be. But the people really doing kind of the store-to-store specific logistics, it seems like you give them a lot of agency and autonomy to run it the way they think it works. And how do you possibly do that? with on Again, going back to scale... I mean, giving that to people, to me, seems like also involving an incredible amount of micromanaging, making sure that that's happening. And then you factor in turnover, and then you factor in everything. I mean, like, <coughs> how? <laughs> How's the question? Do you, and, pay, and them do you, all, do you and, pay them more money Again, than I'm paraphrasing, think? so restate anything I just said that might be inaccurate. <laughs> yeah, 
the question we get a lot is, you know, what is your biggest challenge as a business? And that challenge, I think, will always be the challenge forever, and it's finding and retaining great people. Mm-hmm. And that's where it starts is with the team. And our business is a, a lot of people doing a lot of tasks in, in a restaurant with perishable food that needs to be made and made from scratch that day. Otherwise, we can't serve it the next day. And so there's a lot of effort that goes into everything from time clock management to oven scheduling to cold prep to line management and throughput to the online ordering piece of the business, which is another craziness in itself. But I I have to, it all kind of harkens back to just having great people Mm -hmm. and people that, I think it's sweet green. because you have a lot of trust, a lot it sounds of trust. like more than a company your scale would, yeah. considering what you're doing for your employees to do what they think is right, separate from some kind of corporate structure that this is how this happens, this is how this happens. What I read, it seems like you're, again, giving agency to these people to do what they think is best. Yeah. we To we, a degree, I'm sure. But We try to f- like focus on the inside out, so really taking care of our people in these restaurants and... And it's it's a hard job, like cutting yeah. cutting that much kale in a day. It's a lot easier to drive an Uber, right? Sure. It's a lot, a lot <laughs> easier to to do that. But what's important for the people that come work at Sweet Green is the mission. Like, is as funny as it sounds, like people really believe in that. If we can do this at scale, it can change right. the generation that's sure. next. And and so that starts with the people that you're interacting with. You convinced Dan Barber to come on board, so yeah, that's a check mark. Yeah, but even it starts with like our hourly team members in the restaurants and, um, and how, how their relationship with food even changes as they start to work for Sweetgreen. Yeah. One, one thing that I've been noticing after going into Sweetgreen a lot lately, after, the drinking. after I got blessed with the cashew, <laughs> um, is that it, it, it kind of, it's, it's paralleling a, a thing that I've been seeing a lot just in, current society of sort of either being very in touch with people and in a community of other people and strangers or quite the opposite and kind of no middle ground. Like you're either in line with Sweet Green with a bunch of strangers, talking to somebody, custom making a salad, having your meal in a room full of other strangers who are wearing yoga clothes and attractive. <laughs> Or, or you have ordered your, your food on your phone, you yeah. walk past everyone, all these idiots that are waiting in line, you pick up your salad which has your name written on it, you don't have a transaction with anybody, you don't say a single word to anybody, you get your food, you, you leave and go eat it alone in your office kind of thing. It kinda, you kind of have that option of either going those two far very different styles of eating. And I, I, f- I feel like I see that kind of that that vibe going forward into the future for a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. What what do you guys think is that, that? I don't. And obviously, that's not something that you guys are doing intentionally. It's just something that I've noticed. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a great observation. <laughs> uh, we call it. Uh, we we think the future of our business plus I think the industry is going to almost bifurcate into two things. One is what you said about standing in line and that like hyper experience piece of being able to order with your eyes seeing the food being fresh in front of you we call that a hyper experience hyper experience or 
Did I say that? Yeah, hyper experience. Well, I mean, it's, it's good. It makes sense. But I, I feel like uh, after we've talked yeah. for a while now, there's a lot of there's a lot of it words. Yeah, a lot of it that words. we're using. It's a very experiential. Maybe that's mm-hmm. better. No, um, I, I like hyper experience. And then on the other side, it's convenience. And you think about what's happened to, especially our industry with these food delivery apps, Postmates and the DoorDashes and mm-hmm. Uber Eats of the world. People's expectations of food have changed so drastically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and as a business, you have to be able to do both well. Yeah. You have to be able to supply the demand of, hey, I need my food now. I don't want to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. I want it delivered and I want it in 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, to build the brand, you have to create moments, whether it's an opening party or a moment with Nancy Silverton or opportunities to to build that brand halo so that you can stay different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're going to start seeing with the, especially a lot of these like direct-to-consumer brands that everybody is commoditizing itself. Like you're going to see the same, you know, five mattress companies or the same things and and how are you going to stay different? And you have to be able to do both. Mhm. And I I assume you guys have a pretty big budget for those type of We don't. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> we don't. No. But I mean, you guys do a lot of events. You guys yeah. threw a fucking music festival. Yeah. There's I think you guys do a pretty good job, especially compared to other restaurants in your same tax bracket. Um yeah, we actually have a pretty I mean, maybe on the outside. Maybe you call bigger. in a lot of favors. Who uh, knows? But we do call in a lot of favors. Uh, we have a pretty small marketing team and a small marketing budget. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I guess I did get partially paid. Yeah, you got cashew. some cashew. <laughs> you got some cashew. I'm still, I'm still eating my way through those fucking avocado additions. Don't worry. Yeah, the sub sub avocado. <laughs> I'm eating thirty eight dollars salads every day for lunch. <laughs> How much cashew did you get? I'm, still, I'm not telling. Yeah. I'm not telling. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm taking that salad uh, from from 430 calories up into the 790 range real quick with a couple with a couple double taps, and I couldn't be happier about it. Swipe right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what's your uh, what's your order over there at Sweet Green? By the way, I'm sure you get this question uh, too. So uh, today I had a Nancy Silverton salad. Mm-hmm. Um, How many days are you eating this salad? At, every at day. Sweetgreen? You eat at Sweet Green every day. Every day. Yeah. Well, five times a week, I guess. I mean, I guess that's not that crazy, considering what I did. Like we we went, we had the guy from Lowry's cool. on a couple of weeks ago, and he, the the CEO of Lowry's, said he had had prime Ryan Ryan. He had had it prime rib five times that week. Oh yeah, that wasn't Ryan. That was when we were at the event. Yeah, the Ryan's, CEO. Yeah, yeah, yeah the CEO We went to this saying. event last week where like John and Vinny made a salad for, it and like Nancy did made a bunch of sides for the. Like cream corn and cream spinach and all that stuff. Awesome. And the guy said that he had eaten Lowry's prime rib dinner five times that week. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's. How was he feeling? He, but he looked great. Yeah, he was good, with it. He, he, he like didn't he say didn't. how much he ate of it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, true. He's a taster. Uh, he was saying he felt great because he was at a company event. Sure, sure. But, but I mean, um, he was, he would, he could have been the most in shape, healthy guy in his age range at that, sure. in that whole room. I mean, was, on paper, it sounded like he lost a bet. He was but, looking good. Yeah. But yeah. I guess you could eat sweet green. I mean, also, it's is it free for you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a corporate perk. Mm-hmm. That's a little perk. We call that a perk in your biz. So, so you had a Nancy's Chop. Are you Nancy's doing any shop. additions, modifications? I, no, but what I've been doing recently is, is I'll do the Hollywood Bowl. I've actually, it's funny that you mentioned jicama, sub the jicama. 
and, and I put lentils in it. Um, Get that fucking hickam out of here. It's great. <laughs> no. I, I've, I've been adding lentils to my... Um, I get the I get the pesto bowl. Yeah, pesto. pesto, pesto chicken parm. I get the spicy broccoli out of there. No, I get the hot sauce out of there. No, I add the lentil. I add avocado. Yeah, mm. that's pro tip. Mm. Sometimes I'll double the zatar breadcrumbs <laughs> if I'm feeling real naughty. <laughs> <laughs> need some texture. I need, yeah, yeah, I need a crunch. And also, yeah. that reminds me, I've I've been also really enjoying the process of eating salads. Or like grain bowls, things yep. like that at home with chopsticks. Yeah. You're I don't not know the why. first person that says that. I don't know why, but I, I just like doing it. Maybe it slows me down eating it and I get to savor it more and it's more practice for your dexterity, I guess. Yeah. Do, do people request chopsticks at Sweet Green every once in a while? We get uh, some email comments that that's recommend us in terms of like, hey, I, I did the same thing. I was at home. I didn't have a fork, but I had a chopstick and it worked great. Yeah, I mean, I guess with that big bowl and everything's already mixed in together, and especially when they toss it, I really like when the salad kind of gets a little homogenized. Yep. Maybe that avocado kind of breaks down a little bit, creams everything up. I think it's it's ripe for a, a biodegradable wooden chopstick, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, what are you guys doing about the straw movement that's going on? It's uh, We're actually in the process of designing new packaging, That'll hopefully be released later this year, and a big uh, a big part of that is the straw. So our straws today are compostable, mm-hmm. um, but we want to go one step further in terms of how we think about packaging. Packaging is one of those things that seems very simple to solve, but actually really difficult because it's at scale. Yeah, ask and Johnny. I, I have an apple about how he feels about packaging yeah. their products. I mean, <laughs> I think it's, it's an afterthought for everyone but designers who live and die for it. Mm-hmm. And with food becoming more and more takeout and more and more delivered, <laughs> packaging is going to become such a big part of... Yeah, the un- I mean, we have yeah. all, we've all seen the Sugarfish to-go yeah. box. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's an unboxing moment yep. for Instagram, you know? I guess Sweet Green has a, yeah. has that same vibe, you know. Like you get you get a you get a nice brown paper bag, like you like you bought some clothes at Bloomingdale's. It says purpose on it, maybe Justin Bieber related, and the, the packaging is nice. It's a uh, it's well designed. It's yep. very minimal. I think I think you guys do a good job at that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're excited for this the rollout of the new packaging and and how we can just push ourselves to try new materials, kind of focus more on how we become more sustainable in terms of just the in-store operation. So one of the things that we're testing is every salad at Sweetgreen is made and mixed in a metal bowl. Um, And then that metal bowl gets washed every time. And so we're trying to develop a packaging where you can just mix in the bowl that you're going to eat out of Mm -hmm. so that we can save, it saves us a lot of water and just a lot of time. Mm. So it's a kind of a... How do you do this? We're working through that right now. So <laughs> interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I, I mean, whenever I get a, a whole food salad, I'll get it with the lid, and I just kind of shake the yeah. shit out of it for a while. I guess you guys can get some sort of collapsing telescoping lid. Yep. That then balloons open. You shake it up, balloon it down. You have a future industrial design. <laughs> Not really, <laughs> but I think that's a great idea because yep. one of the, the the downsides of ordering sweet green. To go is that it's, it's not, not tossed. I know, and that is the number one complaint that we get. Mm-hmm. Is 
But also, as soon as you toss the salad, it, it starts dying. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the the reason why we haven't done it is because once you start dressing something, it starts degrading really fast. Yeah, and it instantly starts macerating or pickling or whatever acid you have interacting. <clears throat> it's done. Yeah, exactly. Damn, yeah, especially with the pickled celery now, and it could be added to the starting yeah. lineup. Mm-hmm. Oh Jesus, there's so much to consider. Um, how, how much vacation are you doing every year? I. <laughs> uh, a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah, a little bit. Try to make make use of the long weekends, um, mm-hmm. but we travel a lot for work, and we kind of work and vacation and life, personal, professional, kind of mm-hmm. all blends together. Whenever you go to Minnesota for yeah. a conference, <laughs> you know they they've already lined up the three restaurants they're going to eat at while you're there. Kind of, kind of, yeah. Bay's putting it on the stories. <clears throat> it's oh, all there. Boy. You got you got it figured out. Um, one thing that we do on the show at the very end is we talk about the best thing that we ate all week. Cool. Um, for me, I, I could start it off. Uh, there's a place called Proof Bakery in Atwater by my house, and they have uh, they have a seasonal item that, not unlike Sweet Green, we're in S2 for Proof Bakery as well, and they uh, they do a, a seasonal pistachio croissant, and I had it a couple of days ago, and it's my my favorite thing. Ever almost, but it, they, it's like a one of the best croissants, just straight up. And then they have um, they make like a pistachio raspberry kind of compote jam that they cut the croissant in half, slather it up, close it up. <clears throat> it's too good. It's like it's like a, it's like an almond croissant, but just on another level because of the because of the pistachio. You should give it a try. I will. It sounds amazing. Do you know what you ate this week, Andre? That was the best. I didn't. I didn't have a lot of standouts. Slow week. Um, you did. You did make a great roast beef sandwich last night, though. Did make a good roast beef. Yeah. Okay. So I'll say um, I started trying to make my own roast beef, but sous vide, and trying to kind of cut corners to make it as easy as possible, as opposed to as mm-hmm. complicated as possible. You guys don't sous vide anything at Sweet Green, right? We don't. No. Mm-hmm. We don't. Um, and <laughs> so I got um, top round, 24 hours at 125 degrees, and then seasoned with a whole onion and garlic, salt and pepper, and some rosemary, and didn't sear it before to make it easier. Sliced thin, served, and I thought it was really good. And I also, yeah. I mean, I guess I need to do one seared just to make sure, but I feel like a lot of the steps that you would do traditionally, I didn't necessarily miss or notice wasn't done. And I think it's cut so thin you don't even notice. I was really happy with it. That was good. Yeah, man. I loved it. Loved it. Great description. Thanks. (laughs) You're really good at that. Then it was on, Mm -hmm. um, so I did like an eight-hour onion confit jam that was like the base. Dude. Uh, Then some horseradish. Eight hours? Yeah. I just started in the morning. In this kitchen here? Yeah. Good for you. And then um, horseradish, little mayo, and then just like an an Italian a coleslaw, basically made like with Italian dressing, little acid. Yeah, it was like a Nancy's chop. (laughs) No salami. (laughs) No salami. Um, And then topped on that with Bub and Graham. So it was great. A Bub and Graham baguette. Yeah, like a like a damn party sub. Thanks, Ken. Everybody should Mm. go now serving and buy cookbooks. All right, best thing you ate all week, my friend. You got one chambered. Best thing might be tonight. I ate all week. You're going to Elemento tonight. Yeah, that could be. That's going to be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to shout out my wife Vanessa. Ooh. 
She made... Is up in the kitchen? She's in the kitchen. Okay. Um, We eat out a lot, but she does great home-cooked meals. It's always a treat. Uh, Yesterday she did... What she do? She did uh, a zucchini pasta with a spiralizer and roasted vegetables and an awesome, easy corn salsa and salad. That sounds great. Is it Vegan Wednesdays over there? Vegan Wednesdays, yeah. She's a... (laughs) And she she makes vegetables taste good. So I've never I've never <laughs> used the spiralizer, yeah. but I'm very curious to try it. Yeah, me too. It looks very fun to use. Very fun to use. Yeah. Okay. Do you think what 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 are the chances that your wife is going to be listening to this podcast? I I hope she is. <laughs> Tune in. <clears throat> Tune um, in. But I also did eat at a great restaurant in New York uh, last week and called Frenchette, and mm-hmm. they had an awesome chicken. So if you guys are in New York, Frenchette, Frenchette, roast chicken situation yeah roast chicken why don't you describe Beautiful. that chicken like Andre chicken described. was oh, really the, get into it well the best part about the chicken was actually the bread underneath the chicken that was soaked yes oh, so not an um, uncommon occurrence many a dish check, mm-hmm. check that out yeah that sounds great. love that soak all right buddy well um your instagram is private so we're not going to shout that out yep but you I, can because <laughs> you, you have I've actually been off, been off instagram for like three years so really, yeah, it's been uh, your guy. wife shut that down. I get it. Yeah, it was pre-wife, but it was uh, <laughs> I don't know. You've got bigger things to do. Yeah, but it's there. <clears throat> Smart, and uh, just go to Sweet Green if you live in in the. Is it only in America? You got what? Yes, got, uh, you're, only in America. We're going to be expanding into Canada soon. I hope. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye bye. <laughs>